What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly. All month long, The Ringer will be breaking down 2018's highs and lows in music, pop culture, sports, TV, and film. Some of the things we've hit so far are the best TV show episodes and the best rap albums of the year. And this week, we are writing about the best performances and the 10 best action movies of 2018. Plus, we'll be reacting to both the Golden Globes and Grammy nominations on the site. You can check all of these things out on TheRinger.com. This is Villains. Each episode, I'll be joined by two guests to take a look at a different type of villain. We've done a psychological thriller villain, a high school movie villain, a superhero movie villain. Today, we're doing a cartoon movie villain, an evil, despicable, loathsome cartoon movie villain. Today, we're doing... Ernesto de la Cruz, the greatest musician of all time. Plaza, the young Ernesto de la Cruz took his first steps toward becoming the most beloved singer in Mexican history. He started out a total nobody from Santa Cecilia, like me. But when he played music, he made people fall in love with him. He started movies, he had the coolest guitar, he could fly, and he wrote the best songs. But my all-time favorite, it's Ernesto De La Cruz. That's Michael Peters. That's Lilian Rivera. Two people who are always ready to seize their moment. Let's go. We're going to start with the plot of the movie first. I'm going to run through it. And there's a lot going on in Coco. There's so much going on. It's a very complicated <laughs> movie. I was really surprised when I rewatched it for this specific purpose. I'm going to try to get through it as fast as possible. Time out. Hey, do you remember this? We did this in the Mean Girls episode a few weeks ago. Whenever you hear the music that's playing right now, that means we're breaking away from the conversation that I'm having with Micah and Lilium so that I can talk directly to you. It's like a footnote is what it is. We have three of them this episode. I'm jumping in right now because just a second ago, you heard me say that I was going to get through the plot of Coco as fast as I could. I said that. And then I talked for like fucking eight, <laughs> I talked for like eight straight minutes, which is a long time to talk. Do you remember the scene at the beginning of Up with Carl and Ellie? The one where we see them go through getting married and growing old and then Ellie passing away. That scene was less than five minutes long. They had a whole last relationship of like 50 years together in less time than it took me to walk through the plot of a children's movie. <laughs> it was so bad I did such a bad job So we're just going to fast forward Through that part of the podcast Because if you don't know what Coco is about I mean it's been out for over a year now It's been on Netflix for several months You having not seen it Is just an act of avoidance on your part I'm not going to reward you For that Okay let's get back to the podcast For the fast forwarding thing Alright let's go Coco is about a 12-year-old boy named Miguel who lives in Mexico with his family. His grandmother, Lady Margarita, runs everything for everybody. Her little house, the marriage, the Everybody's all back together and Miguel is a musician. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, but like, yeah. But that the scene where where she's singing in the in the in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't cry when she started singing. I I teared up when he was just like, your family's supposed to, supposed to support you. Mm-hmm. Like that was, and that messed me up away. a little. Yes. Yeah, I was just like, oh man. We're throwing a lot of heavy, uh, a lot of heavy punches. All right, before we get to the categories, I'm going to put four interesting things out here. These are things I noticed on the rewatch mm-hmm. um, or researching that I found out that I thought were cool. All right, number one. There's an early part in the movie when Miguel is explaining how his abuelita shuts down any sort of music that might happen around him. And as one of the examples to show how dedicated she is to this rule, they show a clip of Miguel staring out a window as a truck drives by and the truck is playing music and she runs over and she's like, no music, boom, slams and, and slams the window <laughs> shut. The truck that drives by is a delivery truck from Pizza Planet, which is a restaurant in Toy Story. I didn't catch that. There are a lot of little Easter eggs like that uh, in Coco, and a bunch of them are Toy Story related. Like uh, when he's walking uh, through the uh, through the plaza, they've got a like a Woody pinata and a Buzz pinata uh, tucked off in the corner. When they're doing all the performances, one of the kids is wearing the same shirt that Sid was wearing mm. from Toy Story. Like they do a lot of things oh, like that. Snap. All right, interesting thing number two: The Incredibles. We know The Incredibles. We're yes. familiar yes. with this family. Yes, uh, I think they're. I don't know if I'm interpreting this wrong or not, but I think they're actually dead because they show them in the background of the movie. There's like a poster of the Incredibles up on the wall, but it's a skeleton version of them. In the after, in the in the afterworld, in or what? The, yeah, in the land of the dead. Land of the dead. It's oh. a skeleton version of it. So I think somehow they're dead. That's maybe not. Kind of creepy. That's it's, it's a little. <laughs> yeah, you know, we just got the second one, the second Incredibles movie. I kind of uh, want maybe, a third. You know, well, like, no, I think that's why they're. That's part of the reason they're superheroes. They're like they can bounce back and forth. Mm. They're because they're dead. That's why you can't kill them. Mm, okay. Okay. Interesting thing number three. They made a big deal about this being the first time a Disney movie had an all Latino cast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Except here's the thing: it's not an all Latino cast. They snuck a white in there. Who they did? No, he's ben, not. How Benjamin, dare you? How dare you? <laughs> not Benjamin Brett. It's a, it's a guy. He has a really quick part. His name is John Ratzenberger, and he voices a character named Juan. But he's been in, in I think, every Pixar movie, so they were just trying to slide him in. That's but funny. when I saw that, I was like, I was not mad that they let him play a non-white person. Because mm-hmm. this is what I feel like. I feel like there's stages to... I don't want to say equality, but there's mm-hmm. stages to when you get to a point when you can have like all of the things that the whites have. And the first part of that is you have to have movies where our stories are being told, but they're being whitewashed just a little bit. Mm-hmm. We saw it like it's been happening with with black movies or Asian movies since forever. And now it's finally happening for us. Mm-hmm. So this is progress. This is progress <laughs> for me as far as I'm concerned. We follow behind. We, we're like, we always check to see like, Oh, look, they, they let the black people do this. They let the Asian people do this. And we're like checking, like, is it our turn? Are we going to, is it cool now? <laughs> we, it's the same thing in them. I saw the trailer for, for La Llorona. Did you see this trailer? Yes, of course. Okay. And the, everyone was pissed off. I mean, the main woman in it, she's, she's like, I don't know if she's a white woman, but she's not a Latina. Yes. Yeah, she's, like, she's definitely a white woman. She's part. She's, I think she's like half. What? I think. Uh-uh. I can't remember. Okay. But I'm going to say she's not, and we can be mad about it. Okay. We'll just be mad about it. Sorry <laughs> to her. All right, the last one. Um, and this is what we what, what King Micah brought up a minute ago, but it's just funny to me that we finally get our big budget Pixar movie, mm-hmm. and a main part of the central conflict of the movie 
has to do with someone having trouble crossing the, the border. The border. Mm-hmm. Like, why do we have immigration oh, no. in the afterlife? I was so pissed Were off you? when I saw that. I actually, when I first saw this, um, it was a screener. So I, you know, I got to see it early on or whatever. And I was just like, this is, I don't like this at all. It really actually turned me off. So it took me seeing it this week again, because uh-huh. I had only seen it once before that I was just like, I don't know if I like this movie. I don't care what everyone says. It might, <laughs> did it bother you, Micah? I think that by that point, I was already emotionally invested in the movie because of the, when you see him go up into the crawl space mm-hmm. and he's playing the guitar and like he closes his eyes and he I starts noodling. I love when noodling, he closes his eyes. He's feeling it. And then it. he scoots up closer to the TV. Yeah. I started bawling. Number one, I saw this. <laughs> like I, I went and saw this movie at Universal City Walk, which is right next to where the car dealership is at. I was getting the car fixed and I walked over there in the middle of the day and was sitting next to like a family of three. Yes. Like right next to the mom. And I was just like, and that scene came on and I was like blubbering. And I was just like, I'm sorry. I promise I'm not a weirdo. By yourself. The rest of the theater was empty and you just sat right next to them anyway. No, it wasn't wasn't that strange. (laughs) But anyway, like, yeah, by that time I wasn't even really like I was... It was, I was already just kind of, all right, this movie is great. Right, right, right. I wasn't, it didn't bother bother me. It didn't bother me at all. I saw it and I was like, I mean, I get it. I understand. Sure, sure, sure. But it didn't bother me. I just, I just felt it was, it was a little bit whack. Like, I just think of Land of the Living, that's, there shouldn't be any borders. We're talking about almost like heaven. Right. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. We need, we need, uh, we need that in place. He needs to have trouble getting across. Oh yeah, for sure. It's part of the sure. Normally right here is when I ask everybody like why a particular villain is scary. And it makes sense if we're doing like Hannibal Lecter or, mm-hmm. or somebody like that. Hello, but Ernesto, he's not really scary. Is Are you afraid? Uh, Lilium, are you afraid no, of Ernesto? No, but he's he's the type of person that you meet all the time who's like charming and charismatic. I mean, isn't that what they always say about serial killers? Oh, he was <laughs> such a nice guy, mm-hmm. you know, and then. You know, there's something about that, that he's very attract, you know, very attractive. Everyone loves him. All the, you know, men, women, all of them, they all love him. And then he kind of just flips it at the end. You know, when you, when he's, when it's revealed how messed up he is. Miguel, uh, my reputation, it is <laughs> very important to me. I would hate to have you think. That you murdered Hector for his songs? <laughs> You don't think that, do you? I, uh, no. Everyone knows you're the, the good guy. Papa Ernesto, my blessing. Security, take care of Miguel. He'll be extending his stay. What? But I'm your family. And Hector was my best friend. Success doesn't come for free, Miguel. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes to seize your moment. Were you afraid of him at all, Micah? It was more so like your reaction isn't like, I can't believe he did that. It's just more like, oh, you bastard. (laughs) (laughs) That was like, like, because I think that it was more so like you are just this massive bloodless pop star. Like when he, when he, after he saves uh, Miguel from the, from, from drowning, mm-hmm. like the thing that I didn't really make note of until the, until I watched it, like, you know, for this 
was that when he runs up, he's just like, you know, like, I'm your great, great grandson and then hugs him. He doesn't hug him back. He puts him directly on his shoulders. Does like, mm. everybody look at my. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. It's true because it's all about showboating, right? Yeah, You're exactly. just going to show off all the time. Mm-hmm. Is there a is there an actual cartoon movie villain who is scary? Cruella Deville freaked me out the she's, first she's time. She's creepy. Was, yeah. yeah, it was okay. Wild. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I can think of any cartoons. Scar was too charming to be scary. Scar is very charming. <laughs> yeah. Where it, does Ernesto? If there's like a cartoon movie villain, we keep saying cartoon animated, whatever. You know the difference. If there's like a cartoon movie villain Hall of Fame, is Ernesto first ballot entry? In there for me, he's in the top five. I think he has he's to top be up five. there because homeboy. I mean, he murdered his best friend. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's no way. And then he took over. Like he just like I'm gonna like, steal all his songs. Not you know? even did he only murder his best friend. He then, like you said, took all of his songs and then did a whole like if I did it type thing in a movie yes. like afterwards <laughs> right. like, I mean, he like yeah. reenacted that exactly. whole thing yeah, I'm just gonna do this all the way that was a super flex right there <laughs> do you so the first time you watched it you're across the street from the from the car wash yeah. just crying in front of the family there you go the do strange you, family the strange, the strange and you watched it the first time it was a screener you were at yeah, your house I was, or what I was at a friend's house and my friend there there she's half Mexican and Puerto Rican. And it was the whole family, a bunch of kids and everyone. They're like, you're going to cry. You're going to cry. And I'm just like, nah, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> now and I'm going to keep it G. And, it's still yeah, got you. That's still got, got We saw it. We saw it um, in my family. So it's me and my wife and I have three sons. And we went like in shifts. I took two, two of the kids. I took one of the twins and then the smaller one. And then um, Laramie took the other son together. We do this thing at the house where like the, our, our apartment, our house is tiny. So we're all like always up on each other. Hmm. Uh, so every like once a week, somebody takes one of the kids out and just like, you know, some one-on-one time. You need mm-hmm. that, I think. So we like I went with the two and we we're watching it and I was trying so hard not to cry. Like I made it through the whole thing until he starts playing the song for for the for Coco. Remember me though I have to travel far. Remember me. And I was doing the thing when you're like holding your eyes open because you don't want to blink. Because if you blink, the tears are going to come out. Exactly. You're trying to be like, I'm not no punk about my shit. I didn't want to cry. Like- I didn't want to cry in front of the boys. <laughs> and I look and they're and, and they're both crying. Oh. And even the tiny one, he was, oh, I don't crying. know if he was crying. Maybe I was crying and it looked like he was crying. But the middle one definitely was. And then when Laramie came back with the, with the other kid, they walked in the house and they were both just exhausted. And, <laughs> just and, and, bawling, yeah, just like- they had both just been crying in there too. It's, a, it's such a good like, movie. It's such a good was, movie. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. like even that one scene, you're just kind of like, you think that you have it up until the point where Coco starts harmonizing and then yeah. it's just like, I can't deal with it you didn't anymore. see that. Co- I okay, didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that part coming. Maybe if you squint, you can kind of guess that she's going to, to sing. The thing that I didn't, that I had no idea was about to happen is when she like reaches and opens the, mm. door, the drawer and takes out the thing and it's the the missing part of the picture. Ugh. And when he puts it on there, I was like, all right. No, tears. You win. You win. Tears. You win, Coco. Good job. Good job, whoever <laughs> made that movie. First category is called worst behavior. 
And this is where we have to figure out what the most villainous thing is that Ernesto does in Coco. And I've got some options for you. I'll throw them out there. If I'm okay. missing one, feel free to add it in. Uh, and we we already started talking about a couple of these. Number one, when he stole credit for Hector's songs. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's the first one. He just straight up steals them. He could have very easily been like, my friend died. These are his songs. I want them to live on. I want him to live on. But he didn't. He he wanted to erase him. Right. He grafted that shit on after the fact. Yeah. 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 Okay. So there's that one. There's when he poisoned Hector and killed him. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a big that's major. one. That's a big one. <laughs> All right. Number three, when he passively tries to kill Miguel, he realizes that Miguel is going to go back and tell everybody what he's just heard. And he's like, you know what? You can't go back. He already knows if you stay here long enough, you're stuck here forever. So he doesn't, he doesn't like try to strangle him or snap his neck. He's like, take this kid away from me, put him in that hole and just let the clock run out and he'll die that way. That to me was the ruthless moment. Yeah, like, that, was, that was when he was just like, he that was, was cold. cold, cold, Okay. Cold. And then there's one more that I have. And this is at the closer to the end of the movie when he's like, you know what? I try to be nice about it. Now I'm going to kill you for real. And he just grabs Miguel and fucking throws him off of the roof of the stadium. He's like, I hope your little bitch ass can fly <laughs> and lets him go <laughs> off of the side. So mad. Which of the, which, King Michael, which of these four is his most villainous? Time out. Real quick, before we get to Micah's answer here, let me just one time say, fuck Ernesto De La Cruz. I'm listening to this podcast right now, the same as you are, and I'm hearing the terrible things that he did in the movie again. And I just wanted to say that. There's no mistake or anything. I just needed to make sure that one time on this podcast, I said those words, fuck Ernesto De La Cruz. All right, let's get back to Micah's answer. I think that probably leaving, like putting him in the hole so that like the clock would run out is probably mm-hmm. the most villainous thing because that's like calculated. Like, <laughs> you know what? Nah, you're only like 12. Your <laughs> your family's not really like, you know, like after all of your family dies, nobody's really going to. I mean, like it's like everything. With, nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody right. cares. If I just let this happen, then, you know, like everything will be cool. Right. And then like it's and it's just. Like going on about his business, like as in, uh, I would like a poached egg. I would like you to have this kid killed. Yeah, yeah, like, that, yeah, yeah. He that was like, was I'm gonna go. That, yeah, that struck me about it. Like he had some goons working for him. Yeah, he was straight up just like kill this kid. Just like yo, get, like, get right. take care of this for me. And Is those it- goons were actually really scary the yeah. way they drew, drew them. But I feel the same way. Like I think that's the moment when you're just like he is ruthless, and he had no intention of of taking care of Miguel in any way. And um, and there's like great fear. Like you're like, oh, yo, Miguel, break out. Like just go somewhere, do something because he is not going to take care of you. And then he turns around and he just, he quotes his own, his own move, like his own <laughs> sayings. Like, it's just so messed up. And then Miguel's like, no. You're just like, damn. Oh, man. No, when he takes the, when he takes the pedal and puts it back in his pocket, yeah. I was like, no, thanks. Fuck, man. It's hard to pick a thing here that's not, that like you, you're killing a child, but I, I'm going a different direction here. I'm going with when he poisons Hector and kills him for three reasons. Three okay. reasons. These are the three reasons. First, Hector to me seemed like a very reasonable guy. I'm almost certain had Ernesto been like, "All right, have a you know tell tell email that I said what's up. Can you leave me the songs?" I mean, he would have been like, "Sure, hmm. you can borrow the songs," because that's what Ernesto says when he's leaving. He's like, "I can't do it without the songs." 
He had all the other pieces. He was handsome. He was charming. He was talented. He could sing. He just couldn't write. Mm -hmm. I think he would have let him borrow the songs. So mm -hmm. Ernesto choosing to kill him, number one, just a super overreaction. I think like you got to chill Extreme out. Extreme reaction. Just ask. You got you to ask, first of all. So I think that that's the first thing. All right. The second part is him and, and Hector were best friends. Like he's only known Miguel for a little while. He's known Miguel for like eight hours before he decides yeah. to kill him. They didn't have this great connection. That's he doesn't know anything. He probably suspects that this isn't his grandkid. Mm -hmm. And then he definitely knows it after yeah. he gets confronted. But he killed his best friend. They had been hanging out. They were on the road together. Yo, can I can can we can I interject for a second? Okay. Did I miss something? Like, did he just have? Did he was he just rolling around with like hemlock on him? Or I mean, like, what is the? Where did he get the poison from? That's the third. Yeah, they never that's saw the third it, thing. Right? Like, that's the third thing. Yeah. So he kills his best friend. Which again, there's layers because he knows that his friend is married. He knows that his friend is a young father. Yeah. Like you're wrecking a lot of lives here. You don't know anything about the kid, whatever. But yeah, the third part is he had the poison on him. He had been plotting on this for a while. Ooh. He knew ahead of time. Like maybe he didn't know he was going to do it that night, but he knew eventually I'm going to have to kill Hector to take credit for all of these things. Yeah, because he didn't want to. He didn't want to share that that wealth. He didn't want to share. He didn't want to be a duet. He wanted to be a solo. He star. wanted to be the star. Whack. I got to. I got to <laughs> go with with that one. Y'all can pick the other ones. That's fine. But I'm going with that. I think that just shows how nasty he is. But killing a kid is tough. That's, That's tough. yeah. That's but right. also then afterwards, it was like, how did Hector die? And the whole rumor is that he he choked on a chorizo. On a chorizo. He which is another added <laughs> messed up layer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And he put that in his ear too. Like, hey, maybe it was that chorizo you ate. And then he died. And now Hector's got to go around telling everybody that's how he died. And they're just <laughs> laughing at him about it. Hey, Gustavo, you know anything about this party? It's the hot ticket. But if you're not on the guest list, you're never getting in. Chorizo. Hey, it's chorizo. <laughs> very funny, guys. Very funny. Chorizo? Oh, you're, oh, this guy's famous. Go on, go on. Ask him how he died. I don't want to talk about it. He choked on some chorizo. <laughs> I didn't choke, okay? I got food poisoning, which is a big difference. <laughs> All right, next category. This is called Maybe He Had a Point. Is there an argument we can make here that justifies Ernesto's actions in the movie? That's what we're trying to figure out right now. Is there something you could say to go like, I get it. Okay, so I'm going to say. All right, go for it. That Hector was kind of messing up his dream. Like they had a dream. Apparently they had a dream that they were going to go and be these like superstar music people, right? Mm -hmm. And then Hector just decided that he wasn't going to play that game anymore. So it's kind of messed up. That is messed so up. So I understand the reasoning, be well, not killing anyone, but I understand like the <laughs> anger for that, you know, okay. like the anger of like, you're messing up my dream. And this is, this is the one dream that I've had forever. And now you're deciding that, oh no, I don't want to do it. It's kind of messed up. It is very messed up. I ain't saying I would have killed him, I'm but saying, I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> King Mike, is there, are you making this a similar argument? I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that is understandable on some level, but at the same time, like, unless you worship notoriety and money above all else, I can't really justify <laughs> killing your best friend. Right. <laughs> he could have had both worlds. I mean, I feel like it, Hector just kind of abandoned him. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's like, you know, like he, 
it's like having your hand stuck in the cookie jar and smashing the cookie jar instead of just letting go of the cookie. Just asking for the, for the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here as far as that. Like, he just wanted to be famous. Yeah. And he was willing to do, he mentioned it several times, he'll do anything it takes yeah. to keep that fame. I don't know if that's necessarily an argument that justifies his actions. I think it explains his actions, yeah. why he did it. I don't know if it it justifies it. But I don't know. When you look at, like, if you're telling me I could be remembered as the greatest thing of all time, mm. a, the greatest writer, the greatest podcaster, the greatest musician of all time. <laughs> the greatest podcaster. If I do these, like, <laughs> if I do this one very evil thing, like. Would you kill me right now? I wouldn't kill you right now, right now. But you would have the poison. <laughs> but I might have, I might have some poison think, in my you'd backpack. You'd have to think real right. hard about it. I, yeah. yeah, yeah. You would I, be ready for it, though. I, I think if I was without... <laughs> If I was without a family, if I was not married, if I didn't have anything else going on, and like that was all I was concerned about, I'm I would strongly consider doing that to to be remembered as the greatest of all time. Yeah, <laughs> that you live forever. That's quite a trade off. As long as you don't that you don't, you never get your like you know comeuppance where this giant griffin Alevlihe thing just comes and like bats you around into yeah. a bell and kills you. Let's take a quick break for the podcast. I want to point you toward two articles that I read on TheRinger.com that I really, really liked this week. Daniel Kelly. I don't know if anybody calls him Daniel. I'm going to call him Daniel, though. Daniel Kelly wrote about the evolution of Russell Wilson. And I like Russ. He's an interesting football player and also an interesting person. You should check that one out. Also, King Micah and Lindsay Zolads wrote about the best songs of 2018. And I disagree with nine out of their 10 picks. They got sicko mode right. Everything else is wrong, but it's still a great list. You should read that. All right, let's get back to the podcast. All right, next category. This is called the Jason Satham School for Rehabilitation. Because Jason Satham was a bad guy in <laughs> Furious 7. And then by Furious 8, he was part of the crew and a good guy. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to figure out, can Ernesto be rehabilitated? Can we bring him into the fold? Maybe he's not going to be a part of the Rivera family, but can he be a part of the Rivera family? I think he should have to busk for the rest of eternity. Honestly. He should have to what? Busk. What's busk? <laughs> I mean, like play his guitar on the street corner for, for coins. Ah, I see. Uh... Yeah. Time out. Micah used the word busk here, and clearly I had no idea what it meant, which is why I asked him what it meant. And that's maybe a weird thing, given that I'm a writer. I should probably know what these words mean. A similar thing happened when I was researching for the Killmonger episode. I was reading all of these really smart and interesting pieces about it and about Killmonger and T'Challa and everybody. And typically when I'm doing something like that, I'm just looking up any words that I don't know. And one of the words that I kept coming across was imperialism. And I'd heard the word imperialism before, but I didn't know the definition. And this had already happened a bunch of times during the researching process. I kept coming across words that I was unfamiliar with. And I was starting to feel a little bit bad about myself because it kept happening so much. So I interrupted a conversation that was happening nearby between three other people at work. I was in LA at the time when I was recording these. It was, it was at the office, some guys were watching baseball 
And one of them was Kevin Clark, who writes about football. So unprompted, I said, Kevin, what does imperialism mean? And he stopped and he looked at me. He's like, what do you mean? And I said, the word imperialism, what does it mean? And my hope was that he wouldn't know what it meant. And then I could feel better about myself for not knowing. But he knew. He fucking fucking gave me nearly a word-for-word exact match of the actual definition that I was looking at on my computer screen. And more than that, he gave me several examples of it having happened in history. (laughs) And I was just sitting there like, God damn it. Anyway, back to the podcast. Well, I may feel like, isn't that what's going to happen? Like, because people are eventually going to stop remembering him. Uh-huh. So then he's going to lose all his, like, fame in this, you know, the land of the... So eventually he'll just be, you know, <laughs> have to do something to regain that. Can I, can I throw this out there? There's no part where they say, like, you have to be remembered fondly to stay alive in the land of the dead. Mm, right? That's a good point. So can he's probably, if that's not the case, he's probably going to live forever as like a villain mm-hmm. anyway. Is that worse to him than just being forgotten? Like, why did they play it that way? I don't know. I feel like the worst thing that could happen for him is that nobody remembers yeah, him. Yeah, that that's, to me is the yeah. worst thing. But he's still going to be remembered right now. Yeah, just trash. Remember, Is that trash. worth it though? Like, would you... You get to be remembered forever, but you like it's a shitty memory. I think that we're gonna we're gonna have a gritty Coco reboot where like he's got like mad like ammo belts on him, and he's just like, "You need people like me." Right, right. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> Does he eventually take over the land of the dead? Like he's val- oh. Yeah, he comes back as Antonio Banderas in Desperado. Okay. That's that's uh, basically what happens. Revenge. Right. That's good. He's like, that's good. It's crazy to think about how he's such a bad villain that he was a villain on like two separate planes of existence. Like you're bad on earth and you're bad in the land of the dead. We've never seen that before. Like he was just straight up like a, like a ghost of some sort. Next category, bonus footage. Is there a moment that we know for sure happened in the Coco universe that we don't get to see that you would like to see? And the way I always explain this, this category is in the TV show, The Office, which is probably my, my favorite TV show of all time. Jim and Pam have this great scene where they finally kiss each other. Mm-hmm. And then we don't get to see what happens the next day at work. They jump. That's the end of the season. When it starts up again, Jim is in a new place. Pam is, is still at in Scranton. But I wanted to know what happened the next morning. Does he come to work? Is it weird? Did they talk to each other? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for a moment like that in Coco. Is there a thing that we know happened that we don't get to see that you would like to see? I've got one. So the story we're told about Ernesto, it never one time includes a mention of like a girlfriend or wife or children or mm-hmm. anything like that, right? But when Miguel shows up and he's like, hey, I'm your great-great-grandson, Ernesto pauses for just a second. And he's like, oh, that's what's up. Nice to meet you, everybody. I got a great, great grandson. That to me says that Ernesto was definitely like out on the road knocking down a lot of women. Oh, yeah. Right. That's no, definitely. No doubt. No that's doubt. Def- there's no other way to interpret that moment. <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh, this is probably I true. Have a, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was like, a, that's probably what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I need to know, did he leave a family behind? Are there like dozens and dozens of children all across Mexico that are related to Ernesto. Like, I need to see that. I need that clarified. That for me, if I could just pick a thing to see, I'm going with that one. 
right there. Probably at some point during his career, but some point before 1942, took all of his all of his baby mamas out on a yacht like Diddy. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Ernest was that. No, I think that probably after the bell drops on him, in between that and them hanging the "Forget You" placard on his on his memorial. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good. Some one. stuff happened in between there right, that we right, missed. Right. Like there are probably some. Yeah, we didn't get to see think it. pieces written. They were probably like <laughs> they're writing think pieces in the land of the dead. <laughs> oh no, that's going on. <laughs> I do not want to go to the land of the dead. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good one. I that's felt like one. what was missing was I wanted to see Hector get his revenge. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't. Uh, he yeah. never had. Like the person who ended up flinging Ernesto to the bell was, you know, was the um, the spirit animal, right? right? But we never got that chance of Hector actually avenging his own death with Ernesto. And that's sort you of what I want. Fight. I wanted to see that fight. I was like, come on, he's the one who got totally ruined. Let's if he that. wasn't like on death's door when like that was happening, at death's door when that was happening, I feel like we would have got, man, that was kind of disappointing because he, yeah. he kind of went out like a punk. A little bit. And, <laughs> yeah, and also, it I, wasn't, and also, why didn't he have a spirit animal? Oh, that's yeah. a good one. And it was his women's or his ex-women's um, who ended up, you know, taking over. Mm-hmm. That's usually how it works, though. Like that's the guys true. are terrible. <laughs> that's true. And then, and then a woman has to come and save everything. I don't think... I don't think I could convince myself that Hector is going to like try to put hands on Ernesto. He's a little scared of him. You don't mm. think Hector's nice with the mitts? I don't think so. Right. He's a little too clumsy. That's true. And mm-hmm. also Ernesto's big. That's a big, he's a big dude. He's broad up top. Even, yeah, as a skeleton, he's still He's like, broad yeah, he's got some heft. That's why you got to go for the kneecaps. <laughs> some heft to him. You just take his leg off and beat him with it. <laughs> All right, next category. Overmatched, undermatched, or fair fight. Here's what this is. Benjamin Bratt plays Ernesto de la Cruz. Mm-hmm. And he's great. He's the right kind of energy to pull off that character. Mm-hmm. Like, because in real life, he's handsome. He's charming. But there's, there's just enough seediness to him that allows him to convincingly, to convincingly switch to the bad side. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we've seen it. We've seen him do it before. But what are we thinking about for his counterpart, though? Like, how are we measuring Anthony Gonzalez's performance as Miguel up to Brett? Was Gonzalez as good as him? Was he not as good as him? Were they equal? What are we doing here? Was it an, was he overmatched? Was he undermatched? Was this a fair fight? Um, you go first, Lilia. Okay, I think it was a fair fight because okay. Miguel, or you know, or the, or the character, or the actor who played him, mm-hmm. was just so charismatic and so loving, and had a beautiful singing voice and. He just sort of matched Ernesto. I mean, when he went up on that state, like when he went to meet Ernesto and then he got up and he's like, I need to do something to get his attention. And he just started singing. I mean, that was just like, yo, right? That's almost like what Ernesto would have done, you know? Yeah. So I think he was a match. You think this is a fair fight? Yeah. King Micah. I think I'd also say it was a fair fight for that reason. And also because when I was rewatching it for this, I bet when he breaks into the mausoleum, Mm -hmm. Like that's a heads up play to wait for the fireworks to go off that's and really break the smart. window open. That's like what he, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I, I feel true. like he probably saw an old copy of Shawshank Redemption 
Because uh-huh. Andy does the same thing when he's trying to break the pipe. He waits for the thunder and then smashes it with a rock. He was, I think he was drawn on that. He was smart. He was smart. But also, remember when he, like, after he was, like, sent back home after the condition of no music, and then he was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then Went he immediately right grabs the guitar. And you're like, not even seconds later, he's like, nah, I'm going to do this. Not even seconds. <laughs> Anthony Gonzalez was great. All right. For me, Benjamin Bratt. Is one of the stars of Blood In, Blood Out, which is my number one favorite movie of all time. Like, I, I love Benjamin Bratt. He was in Demolition Man, which is another favorite of mm-hmm. mine. He was in Miss Congeniality, mm-hmm. another favorite of mine. He was in La Mission, which, did you see that? Did, did either of you see He was in La Mission? He was the dad, yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. So I don't the, this. he plays a guy, he plays a homophobic father to a gay son. And he's like trying to figure out this whole world. Okay. And, that's like one of the times where we get to see him just be straight up nasty and and evil. And evil. I, hmm. I love that that performance. He was dazzling is a word I would use there. Like he did a good job of wrestling with that. He was a horrible person in the movie, mm-hmm. but like as far as acting hmm. goes, he know that. I really really love Benjamin Bratt. I think he's a wonderful actor. But if I'm picking between these two, I think I would. I think I have to lean in Anthony's direction here. He was just able to pull more emotions out of me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He was strong and he was sensitive and he was funny and he was serious. And he was just really, he was really going for it. Mm -hmm. He could do all of the stuff you needed him to do, which is hard for any actor to do, let alone for a child actor to Mm -hmm. do. Like when he decided, when he would put his foot down and be like, fuck this, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like you felt it. Yeah. Like he's really, he's going to pull this off. He's going to travel across to the land of the dead and do this thing. Right. It's unbelievable. I got to go with him. I think that he was undermatched here. I think Anthony Gonzalez was not looking at somebody who could keep up with him in this case. Is it true that they found him, like, singing, the actor? Like, Oh, I don't know the story of the I, 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 I don't know story. if I made this up or if I read this somewhere, that up. they found Make him singing and then he, he auditioned for it. Like, he was singing right here in East LA, like in Mariachi Plaza. But maybe I'm making this whole thing up. That sounds good I to me. Isn't that a good story? You know, that's we, that's a good fact. Story. That's a fact now. That's a story. <laughs> Somebody please update this Wikipedia page if that's not if that's not the case. We're gonna go with that. <laughs> the last category, this is my favorite category, it's called regrets. And we have to figure out who makes the biggest mistake when dealing with Ernesto. Lots of mistakes mm. being made here. Mm. I have six of them. Well. I'll throw them out there. Okay. You can pick one of those or you can submit your own entry. Mistake number one. I got to put a little bit of blame on Hector for quitting the group. Yes. Liam alluded to this earlier. Yes. He should have just stuck it out. And if not stuck it out, he should have at least offered to leave the songs when Ernesto said he couldn't do it without the songs. Like he owed him mm-hmm. that at least. I think you made the correct argument there if you want to pick that one. Option number two. He, I feel like he was a little too quick to accept that drink from Ernesto. If they've been on the road for a few months, there's probably no way that he hasn't picked up on this scent. Ernesto did something during those months where you're like, this guy's kind of a skis. And then also <laughs> like the fact that it was at after a pretty heated argument. Yeah. And then yeah. he was just like, you know what? Just immediately. Yeah. yeah and he immediately. was just like, okay. Yeah, sure. He should he should have sniffed that one out. Yeah. I think that's a big mistake. Mistake number three, Miguel. For not doing a better job of fact-checking before he went to go tell everyone he was related to Ernesto de la Cruz. <laughs> he just was like, oh, this must, I must be related to the greatest musician of all time because the picture was torn and the guitar looks kind of like mine. That's that was, right. That was a bad one. 
I think. One of my, my mom, she retired recently, mm-hmm. but she used to work at a convenience store, right? She was there for almost 30 years. And during that time, there was a woman who worked there with her who swore to God she was related to Vicente Fernandez. Yes. Like a very like a very famous singer. And she was telling this story for like two years, it turned out. And she, I was visiting my mom. We were hanging out at the store and she started telling me. I was mentioning to my mom that I was listening to Vicente recently. And she's like, oh, you should talk to, to uh, Norma. Norma's related to him. And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, that's her, that's her, that's her nephew or like her great nephew or some, yeah. something like that. Uh-huh. But it took like 10 minutes of looking on the internet to find out that it didn't match up. Like it, it, there's no way you're old like enough. Like the dates to, were off. They were way off. You should have been born 30 years earlier for this to fit. <laughs> but isn't that the case? Like, I don't know. Like I, whatever. Jerry Rivera is like a salsero and he's Puerto Rican. And everyone in my family swear to God that we're related. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I don't think we are. Okay. Are you related to the Coco Riveras? No. Like, is that... But you should... You should but I should totally claim it. Lies yeah, today, and also, and my kid's name is Coco. There. Is it really? Yeah. Coco Rivera. Yeah. Well, no, it's Santiago because my husband's there. Okay. But still. Still. Close I could, enough. I, I could still claim it. I so. say run with it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just lying everywhere. Now. All right. <laughs> Option number four. Um, I'm going to go another one for Miguel. Not doing a better job of hiding how he was feeling when he realized that Ernesto was a murderer. Yeah. He was very clearly in his face saying, yeah. I'm going to tell on you when I get back. I can't exactly. wait to tell yeah. on you. <laughs> he had to hide that. He should. I think he should have done a better job. Option number five, Miguel again. Miguel screwed up a lot of times. I think he should have done a better job of dipping and dodging when they were up on the roof of the stadium and they were all having the big confrontation. Yeah. And he's yelling at Ernesto and he's like, you're not, you didn't come up with the songs. Hector did. And he just fucking grabs him. Yeah. Like you already know he killed Hector right. and you already know he tried to kill you. Fucking Give him yeah. a juice. Yeah, you gotta, he's walking toward you. <laughs> Move circle a little button, bit. Circle button. Something. You got to do something. And then the last one, this is a, a mistake Ernesto made. He got a little too cocky and he didn't realize he was being filmed mm. while he was explaining everything bad that he did. Like, you don't have to do that. Hector's the real musician. You're just the guy who murdered him and stole his songs. Murdered? I am the one who's willing to do what it takes to seize my moment. Whatever it takes. No! Miguel! Miguel! Apologies, old friend, but the show must go on. Just fucking chill out. Go back downstage, downstairs, get on stage, sing your songs, let all these... Hundreds of thousands of people, skeletons, right. cheer for you. But that's like that Scooby-Doo moment when there's like, I could have done this if it wasn't for those kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to explain my whole diabolical plot. He misplayed that one really bad. Yeah. I mean, but then again, yeah, that's, but that's. But that's showboating too, right? That's all of the, that's every villain and every children's anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So we have Hector quitting the group, Hector drinking with Ernesto, mm-hmm. Miguel not fact-checking. Miguel not hiding how he was feeling. Miguel not dipping and dodging. Heck, and Miguel had a tough go of it. <laughs> Poor Miguel. And Ernesto for, for, for showboating a bit. Which of these, who makes the biggest mistake here? King Micah, you want to go? Oh, okay. Go for I it. Could, I think that like the the smart answer as far as like, you know, you could have ridden the, the Eagles to Mordor thing would just be like Hector quitting the group because mm-hmm. that sets... 
the entire thing in motion, mm-hmm. his entire family history, the movie, like, but the movie doesn't happen without that happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with uh, Miguel just not doing a good job of the poker face. <laughs> you call him poker face. I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, all right, you have the person that you thought was your great, great grandfather has now outed himself as a murderer. And like, you can't even keep a G for like five minutes. Not even five <laughs> seconds. Yeah. This poor, this poor guy. It's Lillian. hard. I don't, I, I feel like I, um, I don't want to give it to Miguel because he's just, He's young. He's young. Yeah, he's he's just well. He doesn't like, know. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so I would I want to say it's Ernesto for being for letting his showboating, his vein get the best of him when they start taping him and all that. Like mm-hmm. he was just he was just his head was just too big. So he was down to like, you know, it was it was due. It was due. It was past due for him to go down. All right. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna agree with Lilium on this one. I can't pick Hector quitting the group because Number one, that was just a big overreaction by Ernesto. But number two, <laughs> we saw that he had the poison ready to go. He was yeah. dying either way. There's no way you're not dying when you're hanging out with him. So I also can't pick the drink thing. Uh, I can't pick Miguel because he he was young, but also like, whatever. I don't want to pick Miguel. That's screwing up because I love Miguel. He's <laughs> one of my one of my favorites. I still, still even watching it now, I know he's not going to die when he gets thrown off the thing. Right. And I'm yeah. just like, that's that's hard. You just, you just <laughs> get through a kid off, off a building, so several hundred feet. This was up there. I remember the first time I rewatched, like recently, Snow White. I think it was Snow White, and the witch was like, "Bring me her heart in a box." Like she told the person to do that to kill this girl and put her heart in a box. I was like, "Oh shit!" And there's a part in I think it was in in The Little Mermaid when Ariel wants to be a human and Ursula. She's like, you want to be a human? Fucking, you're a human now. But she was like hundreds of feet underwater oh, and she turned her into yep, a human then. Yep. Like this, I think Ernesto throwing him off of the, the stadium is like up there with those sorts of, <laughs> with like, kill. you killed your brother and then you told your your nephew it was your his fault yeah. that he died. I think I, I'm going to go with Ernesto too. I'm going to put all the blame I can on Ernesto. He, <laughs> he screwed that up. That was also the biggest thing, like. If you just would have chilled out for a little bit, he could have, that would have been a bad PR like week for him. But two weeks later, nobody would have remembered. He yeah. would have still been Ernesto De La Cruz. <laughs> That's true. Fine. That's All true. Right, I'm going with that. Do we miss anything? Do we cover anything? Anything else we need to talk about? I mean, don't you feel like he was, the way they, the character of Ernesto was just like a, the bad Vicente Fernandez. Mm-hmm. Like he was like the evil Vicente Fernandez. He yeah. embodied all the one person that, you know, a lot of, Mexicans love, you know, it's like Vicente Fernandez can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they just put him up there and just like, yeah, he's going to be a murderer. I wonder if there's like, if there's still a pocket of people like Ernesto supporters. There's got to be some, somewhere in Mexico, right? Like There's that's the definitely thing. like a, there's definitely a group of people that are just like, you got to just learn to separate the art from the artist. 100%. Ah, yeah. So there, true. There's, yeah. still, there's still people who like support SPM. I feel like the, Ernesto <laughs> definitely rode that out. He's fine. <laughs> He's a hundred percent. You've been listening to Villains. I'm Shay Serrano. Micah Peters and Lillian Rivera are my guests today. Read Micah on TheRinger.com and listen to him on The Ringer Podcast Network. Buy Lillian's books, The Education of Margot Sanchez and Dealing in Dreams, or else you are stupid and I hate you. Villains is a production of The Ringer. It's executive produced by Juliet Lippman. 
Kara Hart is our producer, and Bobby Wagner is our researcher. Isaac Lee was our engineer for this episode. Thank you to Daniel Birch for our theme music, and thank you to Rod Hamilton and Tiffany Seal for the music we played during the footnotes. Next week, the revenge movie villain. <laughs>